And what we've learned over time now is natural is best. And the World Council for Health recently has issued a statement guidance uh, in September of 2023. Remember, World Council for Health is kind of like an alternative to the WHO <coughs> stating that mothers and children should consider a wait and see approach for the entire vaccine schedule. Since the COVID-19 vaccines have been put on the routine childhood vaccine schedule, it makes the entire schedule unsafe. And we don't have clear and present threats from any of these illnesses right now. Five studies demonstrate that going natural, that is skipping all the childhood vaccines, the children have better outcomes. They have fewer rates of asthma, allergic dermatitis, uh, infectious problems like uh, otitis media, lower rates of neuropsychiatric syndromes, and it's probably better now to go natural. This serves as quite the warning, doesn't it? It gets me choked up now. Approaching her 39th birthday, Melissa Persling has finally realised she's been lied to for years. I wrote a lot of that article, like, truly scared. Like, I really did think, like, wow, you've missed your opportunity. Like, you are going to be alone. You're not going to have a family. I was really scared when I wrote that. She wrote an essay for Business Insider titled, I'm 38 and single and I recently realised I want a child. I'm terrified I've missed my opportunity. Tragically for her, despite marrying a traditional man when she was 22, at the time she felt strongly I did not want children, that I wasn't going to be like the traditional housewife. I knew I did want to pursue a career. What could possibly go wrong? She ended up getting divorced at 30, and only now has come to this jarring realisation. The downfall of living a selfish, me-focused life. It's definitely started to feel hollow and meaningless, and... You know, it's taken me to this point in my life to realize that that's not a life that's going to bring you happiness. Melissa finally woke up and came to the understanding that she'd been a victim of the antinatalist psyop. It is such a me-focused culture right now. If I thought I would spend the rest of my life alone, if I didn't think that I would get married and have children, I would be devastated. As she grew older, the fun, carefree lifestyle, being wined and dined, going to parties began to get old. The pursuit of comfort and self became dull. Melissa realised her existence was shallow and hollow. I just think a lot of us are missing out. I certainly have felt like that the last year and a half, and and I'm just, I thank God that I realised it in time. Is it in time though? I hope so for her sake, but biology on the other hand. No eggs. What she said next hit hard. I don't want to wake up at, you know, 60 by myself and go, well, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, it's like I want to wake up 60 next to the love of my life, raising a family, you know, doing the things that are really important and the things that really matter. I don't think you're going to be on your deathbed one day and look back and go, I wish I went to more parties or spent more, you know, time shopping. It's like, you know, you're going to look back and say, oh my God, like this person I created with someone I loved. And, you know, that's going to be the thing that 
that's meaningful. We've addressed dinks. We're dinks. We're dinks. We're dinks. We're dinks. We're dinks. We're dinks. Well, this is what happens to them when the TikTok dopamine fades. When the social media clout subsides when they hit the wall. We wanted a simple life with children and home-cooked meals, she said. However, personally, despite coming from a religious Christian background, made it clear to her husband-to-be that she did not want children. Big mistake. But also, what on earth was he thinking? Never mind, don't marry. Don't ever even waste your time dating a woman who says she never wants children. Whenever you hear this... I don't want kids. Just think of this. <laughs> Run away fast, disengage, ghost, block, do whatever it takes. Just get the hell away as quickly as possible. Oh, but I can change her, I can convince her. Dude, she's a victim of weapons-grade algorithmic brainwashing. Why is nobody talking about being dinks? So potent that it's overridden her hardwired core genetic coding. She's broken, permanently. Just run! But it's not just women's fault that relationships in the West are in such a perilous state. Young men's brains have been totally scrambled too, primarily due to hookup culture and dating apps. <laughs> Dark, isn't it? Talk about Blade Runner 2049 vibes. Back to the video. Thankfully for her, Melissa says she's now found someone who she believes to be her soulmate. But again, in terms of kids, she's nearly 39. It looks like she's left it too late. I feel unbelievably betrayed by feminism. I was constantly fed this idea that women can do everything. We don't really need men. Women can women can have the great career and and have the kids that they like and change the tires and do this. I got that from so many of the women in my life too. A lot of like the older women in my life, what the hell did you mean by that? Such a lie. Yeah, she should have told all those morbid wine ants to shut up and listen to Elon instead. I think like something that's, that, that is really important is, is like, you just literally have to have kids or there's no there's no next generation. You think you're happy when you're doing all these things when you're single to make yourself happy. I don't think you really are. It's the relationships that make you happy. It's building something with another person. It's creating a life with another person, having goals and plans with another person. It's making other people happy, making people you love happy. That's happiness. After she wrote the article, she received a tirade of stern messages from men. Like I said, there was hundreds of guys emailing me, texting me, LinkedIn messaging me, commenting on the post, saying, you're selfish, you missed out, you could have had all that, you, you've picked your career. I mean, calling me horrible things. <laughs> I mean, it was awful. I sat in bed reading these comments. But Melissa had an interesting reaction. And I was like, oh my God, you know, they're right. The media would vilify those messages she received as hateful, abusive harassment. Yeah, if she'd received them 10 to 15 years ago, her life would be on a totally different course right now. And she might actually be happy. Toxic masculinity, not always bad then, eh? But again, it's a two-way street. Chances are some of those men who messaged her are themselves hypergamous. Outright incels or completely deluded themselves. Case in point, this post-first date exchange between a young man and a girl who met on a dating app went 
went viral recently. Lol, okay then, yeah, what are your expectations for your girlfriend, wife, whatever? Can I be honest about it? It might be seen as outdated or something, huh? Yeah, of course, this is a judgment-free zone. Honestly, I'm looking for a traditionally feminine woman, someone who isn't going to mind being the child rear and homemaker, someone who is going to take care of her appearance and herself, just all round content to be a female in our relationship. I know that's pretty anti-feminist or whatever, but it's just how I feel. Oh, slay, I don't think that's anti-feminist or outdated at all. To be honest, that's pretty similar to what I want too. Kind of my dream, if I'm being honest. Really? Wow, this is going so well. Is it about to take a horrific turn for the worse? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah, I'd love to be able to focus on making my house a home, working on myself, and just be taken care of without having to stress about expenses or money, lol. What do you mean? Just that I'd love a traditional man who's going to cover my expenses and make sure I'm getting what I want. Someone who brings that kind of masculine energy. So you're looking for a guy who isn't going to mind buying you whatever you want and basically will just bankroll your whole life? So you're a gold digger user, basically? More like someone who will take care of our family financially so I can take care of him and his kids, etc. How is that any different from you wanting your girlfriend wife to take care of the home and your kids? It feels like kind of a double standard for you to call me a gold digger. Believe it or not, it gets even worse. It's not a double standard, it's different because the things that I'm looking for, emotionally stable, take care of have good with kids, are inherently female traits. Good women naturally have that stuff. You're looking for some rich guy who can buy you stuff that's not naturally part of being a guy. It's totally different. I mean, especially because of how expensive life is in general these days. You think I'm going to be able to afford a $500,000 house on one salary just so you can play dress up and not have to worry about a job? You expect not to contribute to the bills of cost of living? Fuck you! I knew there was something wrong with you. No wonder you tried to humiliate me at the restaurant, I should have left right then and there. My guy, chill out. I never said I was looking for a rich guy or 500k house or anything like that, just that I want a guy who can take care of me. Especially if I'm raising his kids, how can your dream woman be the homemaker and child rearer if she's also working full time to pay the bills? I have absolutely no issue with gender roles or divisions of labour in the relationship, but you're not looking for a traditional woman, you're looking for a maid and nanny who can also help pay your bills. And here was his last chance to save himself. But he dug the hole deeper. Fuck you! Just say you were only interested in me for my money. Next time you match with some sucker, tell him that up front so he doesn't waste his time with you. I paid for last night, my dude. Alarm bells should have blocked him right after that. What do you mean interested in you for your money? Shut the fuck up! My comp side degree is gonna do way more for me than your business one ever will, bitch! Now I know why you're getting a finance degree. Probably so you can scout out the rich guys and try and steal their money. You're gonna curse me out and call me a gold digger because I want a traditional man even though you want a traditional woman. Something tells Tells me you're not the type of guy I'm looking for. Lose my number, but I hope you have a good life. Then worst of all, him again. Hey, you up right now? Sam! Yeah, I guess his comp side degree didn't save him from being a delusional imbecilic simp. I thought this was pretty self-evident, but I'm gonna have to spell it out anyway. If you want a trad wife, you're gonna have to pay for it. You're gonna have to pay for all of it. A woman who works 40 hours a week isn't going to have time to raise your children, cook your meals and clean your house. Which is a full-time job in itself anyway. You're just going to have to do whatever it takes to become the sole breadwinner. That was the deal for hundreds, thousands of years of human procreation and nothing has changed. Newsflash for relationships to work. Both parties have to fulfil traditional gender roles. Doesn't work when it's just one or the other. Don't be a Melissa Pursling. Definitely don't be this moron. Don't indulge the misery-making merry-go-round of dating apps and hypergamy. Life is so short. Don't waste time. And don't leave it too late. <laughs>
<coughs> stating that mothers and children should consider a wait and see approach for the entire vaccine schedule. Since the COVID-19 vaccines have been put on the routine childhood vaccine schedule, it makes the entire schedule unsafe. And we don't have clear and present threats from any of these illnesses right now. Five studies demonstrate that going natural, that is skipping all the childhood vaccines, the children have better outcomes. They have fewer rates of asthma, allergic dermatitis, uh, infectious problems like uh, otitis media, lower rates of neuropsychiatric syndromes, and it's probably better now to go natural. Yeah, and it's good to hear and just have that confirmation. I mean, and, you know, breast is best. I'm, I'm doing the nursing. I even did some colostrum harvesting. I, I'm trying to do everything I can that is natural that God God gave us, you know, to keep my, my baby healthy and, and um, away from any of these these issues that could come up. But um, we were talking about, you know, the, the factcheck.org getting away with essentially just flat out lying. There's still so much censorship going on about anything vaccine related. A strange thing happened at the last GOP debate. I'm sure you've seen it. Let's watch that again and, and see what happens when this topic gets brought up. If we could play that. Competitive marketplace begins. Next that's crony capitalism and that's the answer. Okay. Through Operation Warp Speed. The Trump administration and private industry developed a COVID vaccine in record time. Screen froze, then went black. <laughs> Some buzzkill music until it came back. Um, so let's get out of that. So there you go. Screen went black. It didn't come back. Others have posted what actually was being talked about. And essentially, Vivek was talking about the vaccine liability under Reagan and how he, if uh, he is elected president, would repeal that vaccine liability. Any thoughts on why they didn't want that being discussed <laughs> and on air? This is stunning and unprecedented. You know, presidential debates are supposed to be a public forum for us to evaluate the candidates. This was News Nation doing this. And as you know, it's not exactly live. So there is an advanced feed. And this wow. shows that there must have been government agencies or pharmaceutical companies or somebody on the advanced feed that actually, once he started talking, they censored out eight minutes of a candidate's response. And he said he simply would work to repeal the vaccine uh, liability immunity that they have from the 1986 uh, uh, act that was passed under President Reagan. This goes to show you that we have real-time live censorship going on of everything that's coming out to Americans. And it's so important to turn to independent sources of media like this, like your show, The Counter Narrative, couldn't be a better title for this show, to get the truth. Because you can't even get the truth turning into a presidential debate because there are elements of what we call this biopharmaceutical complex. In our book, we define this as very powerful vaccine syndicate. Anything that goes against the vaccine narrative now is automatically censored out. On my show tonight, we have a demonstration with ChatGPT, which is now uh, AI, it's uh, uh, artificial intelligence. ChatGPT is essentially a government propaganda weapon. So if you were to ask ChatGPT, Chat how many people have died after the vaccine, the first thing that ChatGPT tells you is the vaccines are safe and effective. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I mean, our AI systems are parroting the same 
right. crud that we've had to hear over and over again. Um, there are some actions being taken. Obviously, the heat is turning up. There's more studies showing what um, bringing evidence of what we've been saying all along. I know the Texas Attorney General is going after the companies. And so there's there's all these things happening. Do you feel like we will finally see some accountability in some form for these vaccine makers? The cracks are on the wall. Uh, the Ken Paxton Attorney General case against Pfizer's is leveraging that what's called the long arm of Texas law, meaning that you know any company that does business in Texas can be sued by the Attorney General. And and Paxton's alleging that uh, Pfizer has uh, violated deceptive trade practices. They haven't come clean on safety and efficacy. Uh, their PR marketing firm Weber Shandwick. Uh, is clearly involved as well. And uh, through discovery, uh, Pfizer will probably very much get fried on this. Uh, you know, normally Pfizer just settles these AG cases and they've settled for wrongdoing, false promotion, advertising over and over again. Uh, but you know, you have this case going on, uh, the Italian investigation. We've just had testimony in the British parliament. I was one of the people who testified remotely, European parliament. Uh, we have activity going on over in Asia. Uh, we've seen multiple companies now uh, and countries becoming completely fed up with the WHO. And we've heard uh, the Philippines, New Zealand, Slovakia pulling out of the World Health Organization, a prominent member of this vaccine cartel. People have had their fill of vaccines. They want to get to the truth on what happened Fortunately, very few Americans are taking any more of these. And you know, in, uh, 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 Christy, in Texas now, vaccine mandates are completely banned by employers. It's so encouraging that these action steps have been taken um, all while they're trying. The CDC director is now coming back saying, calling for masks to come back, uh, calling all for all these measures to come back, even though evidence has come out that none of those measures did anything. So do you think that we're they're priming us for another go at um, a worse pandemic? We've seen a couple attempts now of, uh, in a sense, taking a manufactured story and trying to promote this, this fear of vaccine agenda. The clearest example is monkeypox. You know, monkeypox in the summer of 2022 is national public health emergency. Biden got out there and said it. Everyone had to take a vaccine. Uh, the, and we got ahead of this in the media. I went on Fox News multiple times, Newsmax, settled down the country on this. We had an approach. It was treatable. There were therapeutics. People didn't need a vaccine. And then it just it never got any traction as it kind of evolved into a more of a sexually transmitted disease. And then the Biden administration drops this at the end of January. You know, suddenly there's no more monkeypox emergency. They tried really hard with a fall outbreak of uh, XBB 1.5, but it wasn't 1.5. It turned out that fizzled out. It was FL 1.5 and EG5 and HB. It was a very minimal COVID outbreak and it fizzled. You know, in the state of Texas, Christy, We've had 92,000 COVID deaths. I recently checked this for mm. a statement. And, uh, you know, that's dying of or with COVID. And we have, you know, we have yeah. about 29 million people in the state. Do you know how many people died of, you know, of that definition of COVID in 2023? It was only 1,500. And again, wow. it's overcoding like crazy. There's virtually no threat of COVID out there. Americans know it. We've been back to business now for several years. And I think what's working is this is a war 
of in the media. This is a war of information. In fact, the best name show is InfoWars. And you know, Alex Jones is back on Twitter. Yes, and we have a, a host coming up in the next segment from Infowars. So obviously, um, we're friends of the show, and I mean that is he picked the perfect name. That's exactly what we're in right now is an Infowar, and it does yeah. look, seem like the tide is turning. Like you said, Alex is back on on Twitter, and uh, it's been exciting to see him dispel the lies about him. But um, you did mention the speaking of Twitter, you know, uh, and the WHO, which you mentioned, the World Council on Health was asking for support and rejecting. WHO amendments. And, you know, the, there was a lot of talk on, on InfoWars when I've guest hosted on, on there before as well about this scary pandemic treaty that the WHO was mm -hmm. trying to get in, in it, um, I think, with the UN and all this. Um, do you know where that stands? And in, in, I was curious because I, I didn't know myself, like, is that what they're talking about in rejecting the WHO amendments? Mm -hmm. Is that related mm -hmm. to the pandemic treaty? Okay. It's true. The WHO plays a, a really key role in this biopharmaceutical complex we write about. You know, WHO is not elected. It's an NGO. Its head, Tedros, is not even a doctor. Uh, they're heavily funded by Gates Foundation and the Chinese Communist Party. The WHO, in its pandemic treaty alliance and international health regulations, uh, aspires to have complete dominion over all plants, animals, and humans. What I mean by this is uh, they get to call the shots on on you know livestock and fertilizer and and food quotas they get to call the shots on uh, various farming techniques climate whether or not there's a climate emergency uh, uh, pollution emissions and they get to call the all the shots on human health whether or not there's a pandemic if we have to do worldwide mass vaccination testing wear masks the WHO would control all this binding by international law. And I can tell you as a doctor, the WHO doesn't provide anything for me, zero. And if the WHO went away tomorrow, uh, we'd be better off. And now multiple countries are pulling out of the WHO. Uh, uh, former President Trump, candidate Trump, uh, has said very clearly he would pull us out of the WHO. I think it's the right move. Uh, we do not need to be bound up in international court according to you know WHO's aspirations on what they want to do with global health. They're simply not qualified. They're not going to help us in any way. And it's a giant attempt at a power grab. And let's see what happens. But I've written my uh, my representative here in Dallas, Colin Allred, and he responded back to me saying he fully supports the WHO. And so the Biden administration and the Democrats fully support the WHO. <coughs> I hope this becomes an issue that can be uh, brought up as a presidential election issue because I think it's important. If they will allow that to uh, air, if they allow it, will right. allow us to see that. Um, I wanted to ask you about just your your personal life um, going through this whole thing. I mean, you you were an esteemed cardiologist. You still are an esteemed cardiologist, but you were most heavily cited. Um, and you know, Baylor University would have wanted would have bragged on you. Now you've had all these like litigation issues. You you and you've had a personal journey. You went from saying elderly should get this shot to now saying there are pe th that these people, these vaccine makers, the globalists, the elites, they, that they intentionally 
wanted us sick. So that's a big leap to go from, like, you know, this this shot should be taken by immunocompromised folks and, and to all of a sudden saying, you know what, they intentionally wanted us sick. So take me through that journey. Do you think it's been hearing personal stories, just looking at the data? What's been the biggest influence in your, in, in your journey? Now, I look back on it. Fortunately, I made the right calls. I was the only public figure, Christy, the only one who published questioning the vaccines in August of 2020 before they came out. And I published it in The Hill. I was a regular contributor with Scott Atlas during the first year of the pandemic. I was the only person to say that it was a gamble to develop these vaccines. Now, in research and development in 2020, I was <coughs> co-leading the vaccine program by a company called Imodulon. So I wasn't against COVID vaccines. But we had proposed vaccinating seniors in nursing homes, nursing home workers, about 2.7 million. Now that program never got funded. But when the when the genetic vaccines came out, Pfizer and Moderna, I never supported them. I never said anybody should get them. I was clear. I went on Fox News immediately and I said definitely people under 50 should not take them. And uh, you know I held my ground. Uh, my patients never were advised to take the vaccines. Fortunately, many didn't. And so I'm going to be on the right side of history in terms of the vaccines. But I have undergone a personal journey where you're right. I was in the medical orthodoxy. I've lost two jobs. I'm now in complete independent practice. I'm very independently, uh, academically active. I'm one of the most published people in COVID in the world, over 70 peer-reviewed publications. And I'm proud of the fact that I've published the first multi-drug treatment protocol to treat COVID that became the worldwide standard, the McCullough protocol. Now I've published the first detoxification protocol for what people should do if they've taken a vaccine or had multiple episodes of COVID. Those will probably be the two most valuable, widely implemented um, medical interventions in medical history. It'll be far more important than the vaccines or any of these other uh, in interventions because it's addressed the big unmet needs. What to do about acute COVID and now what to do after mass vaccination. Well, we can't thank you enough for that protocol, for your integrity, your bravery. Um, it's been so inspiring to see. And now you have such a legacy to leave with, with that, as well as your book and your Substack, um, putting out information all the time. So I really encourage people to stay up with you on, on that. And if they want to get the protocols um, to, for detoxification or anything, where should they go? Go to PeterMcCulloughMD.com. That'll take you to McCullough Protocol, what's called Base Spike Detoxification. Fortunately, it's with natural products you can get over the counter. We've tested all the, the prescription drugs and they don't seem to work as the primary base. Uh, but now this is met peer review. It's been cited in the National Library of Medicine. And uh, most people are moving to this. Takes three substances, natokinase, bromelain, and curcumin uh, in combination, probably for you know three, six, 12 months plus but people are under direct observation in my practice. They are getting better. We've held some uh, large calls among doctors worldwide. It takes a long time, but ultimately we believe actually clearing the body of spike protein using these degradative enzymes, anti-inflammatories uh, really makes a difference. The prescription drugs can't get the spike protein out of the body. Everybody who's had COVID and everybody who's taken the vaccine has some of the Wuhan spike protein in their body and now the issue is we need to assist the body in clearing this out so we can move on to better health. Well, thank, thank you again, Dr. Peter McCullough. I'm so proud to call you a friend. It certainly seems like God's hand is on your life with all of your accomplishments, everything that you continue to contribute to this movement. And um, we just can't thank you enough. Thank you so much. And uh, we, we look forward to having you back. Thank you.
Uh, now that we have some background on the factors contributing to the development of gender dysphoria, we can delve into the transgender medicine. Dr. Peter McCullough is a practicing internist, cardiologist, and epidemiologist epidemiologist in Dallas, Texas. He will present on the safety outcomes of transgender medicine. Feel free to begin. Well, thanks for having me. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. I'm a practicing internist and cardiologist in Dallas, Texas. And throughout my career, I've taken care of and, and cared for gender diverse populations, including transgender adults. Um, these are uh, my observations and analysis on the, the current state. Uh, we're told that potentially 20% of high school seniors uh, could undergo a gender journey. That is uh, a boy attempting to uh, become a girl or a girl becoming a boy. And in uh, what I know about this is that the hormones utilized to do this prior to puberty, largely with a medicine called Lupron, uh, and then after puberty, androgens or estrogens, in a paper by Santos and colleagues, makes the kids sick in the majority of the time. Uh, and they get headaches, uh, abdominal pain, acne, sleep disturbance, weight gain, because it's very unnatural to administer uh, gonadotropin uh, releasing hormone agonists and, and androgens and estrogens to, to a normal person. Uh, and so, so that's greatly concerning. After about a month, these hormones start to cause permanent changes in the, uh, in the voice uh, and so many other aspects of the human body. Uh, the surgical results are very, very disturbing. Mastectomy in normal girls includes complete removal of all the fat tissue down to the pectoralis muscle. It almost always results in contractures because the girls are still growing. Uh, and then the, the surgeries for the female genitalia, uh, something called phalloplasty, that is creation of a false penis from a large amount of flesh from the forearm or the, of the thigh, results in disfigurement of the extremity. And then a, a, an appendage that isn't sexually um, functional uh, urine has difficulty draining, infection rates are high. Procedures to enlarge the clitoris called metoidioplasty uh, also result in a non-functional uh, sexual organ difficulty in urinary drainage. Infection rates and revisions are high. Some studies suggest uh, the revision rates on these surgeries are 30 to 50%, um, and so the outcomes there are poor. But it's greatly concerning about what's happening on clinical outcomes. So the indication for all of this is gender dysphoria. We'll hear about this from other experts. Uh, but what I can tell you is that in a paper published in Sexual Medicine, uh, the rates of psychiatric uh, visits and the burden of psychiatric disease worsens after the transgender journey, the clinical care, as opposed to improves. Uh, we have data uh, from the UK published in JAMA uh, demonstrating that the transgender uh, journey, again, transgender medicine, results in higher rates of homicide, suicide, and death from other causes. Uh, what we've heard from prior speakers is that we, this is all in the context of, a, of an epidemic of autism. Uh, and now multiple papers suggest that young people coming forward for transgender change are very likely to have autism or autistic traits. And it makes sense that a, a psychologically normal child uh, is going to be very unlikely to try to, you know, try to navigate this or even be convinced to do it, it, it with as much doctrine indoctrination uh, that exists in the schools. A, a child from a normal family with proper gender affirmation during childhood, very unlikely to do this. However, an autistic child uh, many times feels ostracized 
uh, is suggestible uh, and then could be induced to go down this uh, gender journey. So to summarize, transgender medicine is linked to the uh, epidemic rise in autism uh, in that we have uh, clear and compelling data that uh, transgender medicine uh, results in making the children sick, uh, uh, increases the burden of psychiatric disease, and raises the risk of death from homicide, suicide, and other causes. I've stated publicly that no ethical doctor, nurse, or technician would ever participate in uh, a transgender medicine program uh, with these outcomes for the youth. And uh, many courts uh, agree now. Uh, transgender medicine has been banned in Texas for uh, about 60 days now. We're talking about transgender medicine for the youth. I think an adult who wants to live out a fantasy as a, as an opposite uh, a member of an opposite sex is perfectly fine. There's always been a diversity of sexual preference that's existed uh, for centuries. Uh, but it's clear now, based on this analysis, that transgender medicine is is bad medicine for uh, for our youth. And it's appropriate if uh, if doctors, nurses, and medical centers can't make the right ethical choices in terms of, of of this form of medicine that the states will step in, in some cases, countries step in and ban transgender medicine, both the hormonal aspects and the surgical aspects of it. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough. Thank you so much for having me.